We've been looking the last couple of weeks about our spirit, man, and how the fruit that we produce in our spirit determines more about where we are spiritually than anything else. We've been looking at that the last couple of weeks. Last week we looked at 1 John. 1 John, of course, is one of the best epistles on the topic of love. And John certainly was one who lived and followed those principles. As we looked at those... We saw that there is no reason for fear because perfect love casts out all fear. That means there is none left. It's all gone. In the end, we saw that, in other words, of all the things that John was talking about, I will not be in question of the outcome when facing God, Satan, or the world. We know the outcome because we're walking in love. That'll tell you some things. Well, we've mentioned about this, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we want to take a look at this very closely. We have looked at this in the past a number of times. Some of these things we're going to go over will be review. But we're going to be looking at them in light of your spirit man. First off, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to start over in verse 1, though our main area of concentration will be over in verse 4. Therefore, I speak with tongues of men, and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become like sounding brass or clanging cymbals. Is he saying that speaking with the tongue of men or of angels is useless? Absolutely not. He's just showing that as much benefit as there is in speaking with the languages of men. How many of y'all know there is advantages to speaking in the languages of men? (laughs) Absolutely. Every time that you need to ask for something, ask a question, there's advantages to be able to speak. And when you speak with the language of angels, heavenly language, tongues, there's advantages to that as well. But if you don't have love, it sure isn't going to get you the same thing. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. Wouldn't that be pretty neat? <laughs> Having the faith to move mountains. Faith say this mountain, go and it goes. Be cast in the sea and it's cast in the sea. That's, that's all right. How many of y'all would say, that's a spiritually mature person? <laughs> but apparently Paul's not saying that. Because he's saying if you don't have love, you got nothing. See, too often we look at spiritual maturity by the things that people do. And we would look at one who has the faith to move mountains, cast out demons, cast out disease, heal the sick, see, see great, great feats in the area of miracles. And we would look at that and how many of us would be hard-pressed not to say that's a mature person? But that's not what the Bible uses to gauge it. So we look upon people with great miracles, great great works of faith in their life, and we look at that as a mature person. But God does not. Apparently, folks, it must be true that you can move mountains with your faith and be immature. Boy, you've got to rewrite some doctrine you have there, don't you? Read that verse again. And though I have the gift of prophecy... And understand all mysteries. That's just something right there. Someone who understands all mysteries. Anything that is hidden. Anything that, that someone, I, I can't quite get my hand to, hand on that one. Oh, I know what that is. And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could receive, remove mountains, but have not love. I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. How many of you would think that if someone gave their body to be burned, that they would be spiritually mature? But if you don't have love... Now, I'd say be hard-pressed to, be burnt, to burn your body for anything but the cause of love. But apparently, that's not the case. Some people will do it for power, prestige, recognition. Maybe thinking, and on the other side, they're going to get something. 
Now, right now, you know, you got people around that not only give their body to be burned, they'll blow it up. But they don't have love. Profits them what? Nothing. Nothing. Love suffers long. How many of you still have that in your Bible? <laughs> Haven't blacked it out yet. <laughs> love suffers long and is kind. Sometimes we have been in the area of love suffering long. But we have not been kind about it. Love suffers long and is kind. That's the way it is. It just is. God is love. God as to His nature is love. Love suffers long and is kind. It's not a grit your teeth and bear it. It's not try really, really, really hard. It's love suffers long and is kind. If you want to see how good you're doing in the area of maturity, in the area of developing your spiritual walk, in the area of seeing how much your spirit has control of you and how little your flesh has, love suffers long and is kind. That's how it is. It's hard to get past that one, isn't it? But we can. <laughs> Love suffers long and is kind. Is kind. Just keep on being kind. How many times have your kids provoked you to a place where you are no longer kind? <laughs> Customer service people on the phone. Sales people. I don't think they were in the Bible, so I don't... <laughs> No, the, even the even the cable people. Come on, all of them. It don't matter. Love suffers long. I don't get this idea that just because you're walking in God's love that everyone's going to love you and you're not going to suffer. Apparently, you are. The love of God attracts attention. And boy, I tell you what, the devil sure likes to try and get us out of it. And if He can get us from the spot of being kind, not trying to be kind, but just being kind. If He can get us out of that spot. Now the first way He'll get it, He'll, he'll move us over into that place where we are trying to be kind. Once He has us in that place where we are trying to be kind, He's won. Because love suffers long and gives the appearance of being kind. No? Love suffers long and for the most part, is kind. <laughs> Love suffers long and is kind. That's how it is. It doesn't. As soon as you get moved off of the is kind, as soon as you get moved off the is kind, you have replaced the love of God with something else and it won't be long before the rest of it falls, follows suit. And that's all the devil has to do. Get you into that place where you are pretending to be kind. You are trying to be kind. Where you're going to God and says, Father God, look at how much I've suffered at their hands. I'm still trying to love them. <laughs> Dear Lord, just confess the sin in your, in your prayers, right? <laughs> May as well. <laughs> love suffers long and is kind. That's how we need to be. Suffer long. And it's kind because that's how you are. Now, a case in point with this one would be Jesus. When Jesus faced the Pharisees, how kind was he? <laughs> Heba John the Baptist, how kind was he with the Pharisees? You brought a vipers, who warned you? Heba <laughs> Jesus, when he faces the, uh, the guys in the temple, and they're overcharging for the, the stuff, made God's house a place of merchandise and place to rip people off. How kind was he? I'm not helping my case here, am I? You're all wondering, what in the world are you trying to do with all this sort of stuff? Huh. What's, what's going on with this? Apparently it was okay. Jesus did it, right? But love suffers long and is kind. 
Love suffers long and is kind. So why is it that it's okay for Jesus to act that way? How come it was all right for John to act that way? And weren't there other people in the Bible that you can think of that didn't necessarily act kind? I think of a real good example with Moses. Moses sees Israel in sin. God tells him about it. He's up there on a mountain, finds out Israel's in sin. And, and what's Moses' response to God? Burn them up. Make sure by the time I get down there, they're all gone. It's a long walk down. You have plenty of time. Now Moses, when he's in front of God, he's, he's begging, he's, he's pleading in a, in a godly way and bargains basically for their life and turns God away from wiping them out. And then when he gets down there on the mountain, off the mountain, he gets on down to where they are I think he's ready to burn them up. Because he's angry. He breaks the tablets of stone. He takes the gold that they just, they just got from the Egyptians, grinds it all up, makes it into powder, puts it in water, makes them drink it. <laughs> Love suffers long and is kind. Well, it seemed like Moses was acting in love up there in the mountain. As soon as he came down off the mountain, he's no longer in love. Now he's over here messing in something else. Well, see, we have to walk in the love of God, not in the love of man. Generally, people get out of the area of being kind because they have been wronged. They have been put out. They have been inconvenienced. Or they have been disappointed, hurt, and so forth. See, Moses, when he's before the presence of God, loved the children of Israel so that he could remove them from the judgment of God. When he came down, he tried to respond to them in such a way as to keep them from ever being back in that place of the judgment of God. And he let them see what they were doing. And he dealt with them very sternly. The same way that you would deal with your, your children very sternly when they did something that would harm them. To try and get them to understand. We have to sometimes get them to understand. We were, we were having our leadership prayer here this, this, tonight and we were praying along these lines for, for you all in the area of, of love and walking in love. And as we were praying, well, I just began to pray myself and I know others did as, as well about, about how we need to deal with people according to their walk. But when you walk according to the love of God, you deal with them according to their walk. The immature as an immature one. And the mature one as a mature one. Adolescence as an adolescent. Depending upon where a person is in their walk is how you have to deal with them. When Moses came off the mountain, he dealt with them as immature. He dealt with them as immature. And had to, had to respond to them in kind so that they would get them to understand. Now you think of it with your own kids. When they were immature, weren't there certain ways that you dealt with them to get them out of that area that they were in? But you're still being kind, aren't you? Even though you're being firm. Even though you may smack the bottom. Make them cry. You may smack the bottom make them cry when they're you know, five. You may not do it when they're 55. <laughs> but you still would love them. They're in, a different, they're in a different walk. They're in a different place at that point. You have to deal with them in, in with that. Love is, love suffers long and is kind. But kindness is not always the same thing. If Jesus just acted as we are thinking of being kind to the Pharisees, they would have continued on their way of death and destruction, of judgment. He had to find a way to wake them up and to steer them off, get them into going another place. Because they weren't responding to the Word of God that they were studying on a daily basis. They weren't responding the way other people were. So we had to find another way to get to them. And John the Baptist the same way. The same person does not require the same reaction. Different people require different reactions. That's why you got to listen to the Spirit of God. What's going on. When you react out of your flesh, out of your own desire, out of your own hurt, out of your own wants... It's when you'll miss it. When you tap into the power of God 
and His passion. And God says, keep on loving them. Keep on. All right, all right. I'll keep staying there with it. I'll keep going there. But then when that same thing doesn't keep, doesn't build any change, doesn't cause any, any reaction, you have to sometimes go back to God and say, God, what else do we need to do? Get these people moving. Get this person going. Get this person to grow. Love suffers long and is kind. You can always be kind, even though at times you are firm. You can always be kind. And you must always remember to keep that kindness in there. Too often, though, we are speaking to other people about brothers and sisters in Christ and our words are not kind. Make sure that they stay that way. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. It does not envy. Oh, how easy it is to get us into envy. We've shown, we've shown it out before. Our, I probably missed a whole lot of your blanks tonight. If the love we walk in is affected by, is affected by, oh, I got it there. If the love we walk in is affected by a little suffering, it is not God's love. There should be no, no amount of suffering that affects your love in, the, in God. No amount of suffering. Nothing there should, should affect it at all. We have either accepted a replacement or left what we had. One or the other. So what kind of suffering is in mind here? Well, you had Jesus at the cross. We talked about that. Paul and Silas at Philippi when they were beaten. They didn't have to be beaten. But they were beaten to give that church an opportunity. That's when they were taken in the midst of the prison and then midnight they're in there singing praises. They just beaten Roman citizens. And they knew it, but the other people didn't. So they're singing, he says, boy, just wait till tomorrow. <laughs> wait till they find out. They're going to have to escort us out of here and we're going to have a good day. And they did. They made him go by all the church people who got saved. Made him go by every one of those houses and, and uh, verify every one of them. And so he gave church an opportunity for the church to grow. And it did grow. And Paul wrote them a letter. What makes this love able to do this? It's not tuned into self. It's, it is selfless, hope-filled, growth-seeking love. It is not tuned into self. That's what we have to get out of. Our love is so focused on ourself. What do I have? What do I need? Where am I going? What is this doing for me? Very seldom are people service-oriented. They are self-oriented. What I need, what I must have, what God is doing for me, how God is responding for my prayers, we're not into the service area. It is selfless, hope-filled, growth-seeking love. It is selfless, hope-filled, growth-seeking. It looks for people to grow. It desires that people grow. and does not want to hinder that. Love is not selfish. Can't have selfish kind of love. So love suffers long and is kind, does not envy, does not parade itself, it is not puffed up, puffed up. It is not selfish. Love cannot be selfish. It says that it does not envy. We've told you before, we've given you warning over and over again. Our government is trying to do it. Our press is trying to do it. People outside of here are trying to do it. They try to get you envious of someone else. They want to make you envious of people earning $250,000 a year. They want to get you envious of people making $500,000 a year. They want to get you envious of people making a million dollars a year. At some point, you're going to be there and say, I don't think they able to earn that much. I don't care what you think. We are not to be envious. Period. That's all there is to it. But constantly we see the press parade these kind of things out there and put these kind of things up. And try and get you to be envious of this group. Because this group doesn't do this. Or this group does this. And these guys should be shunned because of what they do. And look at what this one's doing. And as soon as they get you to do that, you have fallen into envy and you've gotten out of God's love. That's why you ought to just not listen to all those folks. They're constantly... anymore. It is just constant. Always trying to get you to, to look at this group. Oh, look at these guys. Oh, they shouldn't have been making all that much money. Oh, they, we went over it before. AIG. Oh, look at those bonuses. Oh, they shouldn't have had all that. In a smaller story, apparently this week they finally released it, the bonuses for uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which surpassed 
AIG. Anybody hear any flack about that one? Finally released the figures on that and, and, and theirs surpassed AIG bonuses. And the whole reason we got into this fix was because of what those guys were doing in the housing market. Don't get in to envy. I don't care how much of a right you think you have. But I only make $50,000 a year. And they make $500,000 a year. Man, $500,000. That could feed a lot of people. Well, they shouldn't have to do that. They shouldn't live like that. Uh-uh. Now we're getting to a place, folks, where did you hear about this? You know, after the government took over General Motors, it's now Government Motors. Lovely. It's, it's, it's gone. They, uh, President, President Obama fired the CEO and put in a new guy. He's also going to put his guys in on the board. I don't know how many people he knows that have ever run a car company, but now their outlying plans are to cancel 20 cars and trucks that GM makes. All 20 that they have slated for canceling are money-making cars. They all show a profit. All 20. 11 of them are SUVs and trucks out of the 20. What they want them to make is the hybrids. You know how much money you're making on hybrids? Nothing. Nothing. Now, they use Toyota as an example because Toyota, isn't the Toyota is the Prius? They're supposed to make, Toyota doesn't make money on the Prius. Toyota makes money on the Lexus and their truck lines. <laughs> But they don't want you to know that. They want you to know that the other the people can't sell the hybrids because they are not worth the money. Understand, they are not worth it at gas prices here. They are a little bit more worthwhile at gas prices at four dollars. So they are trying to get the price of oil back up so that you are paying four dollars a a gallon for gas, and then guess who they're going to blame when they do that? <laughs> going to get you envious of the oil companies. Because it's their fault. Is it the oil company's fault that it's down under $2 now? Always want you to be envious of this one, that one, the other one. Resist it. Love does not envy. If you get into a place and you envy what this one has, and, oh, I wish I had that job. Boy, I'd like to know what that person's doing. As soon as you get into that, then you are dissatisfied with where you are and what you have to the point that you now envy what someone else has. And, it's, and you're wrong. It don't matter if they are wrong for why they're there or how they're doing it. And you don't even know what they're doing with their $500,000 a year. You have no idea what they're doing with their $500,000 a year. In your business anyway. It's their business. They don't come knock on your door to find out what you're doing with your 50 or whatever it is that you make. Love does not envy. We don't become envious of those who drink bottled water or don't drink bottled water. Those who smoke cigarettes or don't smoke cigarettes. We do not envy at all. Got to stay in that, that area. Love, it's not selfish. I'm not set on here to find out how much more I can make for myself and how much better I can do for myself. God is the one who prospers you. God is the one who blesses you. Not some government who's going to take 400000 from somebody making a million and distribute it to everybody else. That's not God prospering you. Don't get into that kind of a mentality. It will hold you back. It will set you back. It's not God. Love is not selfish. It, is, it does not envy. It does not parade itself. Too often people want to do something for God and let everybody know what they did. And if everybody doesn't know what they did, they get mad. Look at what I... I but I did that too. How many times have you been in a situation where you have done something and then found out someone else did the same thing for another person and got all kinds of accolades and credit for it. What happens on the inside? Wait, I just did that. I did that for someone else and no one noticed that I did it. Oh. And look at how all the people gather around and have all these nice things to say about that one. But I did that too. So what do we want to do? Parade myself. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> I did that too. I was out there. I was, I was loving people like that. Look at me. It does not parade itself. Because love says, I'm going to do this because it's in me to do it. Because God is in me to do it. I don't care who notices. And I don't care down the road who notices. 
And I don't care if 10 other people get noticed for what I also did. I am not parading myself. That's God's love. If you step out of that and you decide, I'm going to parade myself. I want people to see what I did. And I'll tell you, it's, it's good. It's easy to do when no one else is parading themselves. But you get two or three people parading themselves around. Look at me. And then all the other Christians, oh, wow, look at this one. Look at this one. You can get pulled right in there because we begin to envy and become envious of all the attention that one's getting. And so I begin to parade myself and put myself in that position. Love does not parade itself. I got to keep telling myself that sometimes. Because you, how many of y'all want to been, been wanting to do that? Get credit for what you did. Look at what I did every, look at how I helped this one. Love does not parade itself. It does not behave rudely. But they were rude first. <laughs> it don't matter if they were rude first. Love does not behave rudely. Don't be rude. You know what rude is. You can recognize it in other people, so you can recognize it in yourself. How rude that person was. Oh, man, look at that. You can tell when people are being rude. Don't, but don't do it yourself. Don't be rude. Because that's being selfish. Love does not behave rudely. It's not puffed up. It doesn't puff itself up. It doesn't Look at me. Look how good I am. And love does not sit there in prayer time. Father God, look how much I did for you. Boy, are you glad you got me on your side? Look at how much I've endured. Look at how all the people have been trying to put me down here or do this. But I've resisted. I've, I've not given in to that. And look at all the revelation knowledge I'm walking in now. Mm, look at how I've listened to your spirit. What are we doing? We're puffing ourselves up. Don't puff yourself up. You don't need to do it. Don't puff yourself up, especially in prayer time. And especially with other believers. Don't get around another believer and say, yeah, but look what I did. These are all selfish things. Don't get into it. Get into that. It does not seek its own. Love does not seek its own. I tell you, this is tough. Because we are trained to seek our own. Are we not? Now look at it this way. How many of you had a job? Then we'll just pull out a figure out of the air. Let's just say you had a job and you were making $10 an hour. And you were happy making $10 an hour. Glory to God. 10 bucks. A, I'm making $10 an hour. And you were happy making $10 an hour until you found out that so-and-so making 11 Oh, I work harder than so-and-so. And I'm making... I'm making $10 an hour and they're making $11 an hour. And then we begin to compare ourselves, right? Does not seek its own. It's easy for us to get into a mode where we seek our own. We can seek our I was happy with $10 an hour up to five minutes ago. Now all of a sudden I'm not happy about it anymore. I always made it a policy whenever I was at work. I never asked what other people were making. Because first off, I didn't want to know if they were making more than me. <laughs> and I sure didn't want to know if I was making more than them. <laughs> and if I was, I didn't want them to know it. <laughs> I just, there's just some things you just don't talk about. Money just is one of those things. I just, there's no good side talking about money at work. Someone's going to be upset. Somehow it's going to be, going to be set back. You know, you just don't, don't talk about money at work. It just gets you in trouble and you get, you just get envious or self-seeking or whatever it might be. Don't, don't do it. If you're, un, if you're dissatisfied with what you're making, find yourself another job that pays you what you want. That's all there is to it. This is America so far. <laughs> I don't know if they're all going to change and everybody works for the government and everybody makes the same money, then maybe it all becomes something different. But right now, it's still America. Which means if you don't like your job, go get another one. Go work for this company. But don't seek your own. Don't go out there and keep seeking your own thing. I, I, I need this and I, I, don't, I want that over here. And I want this. Love does not seek its own. Who, whom does love seek for? 
Who wants what God wants, but look for the good of another. Because that's what God wants you to do. Look for the good in other people. You look for the good in other people. You look out for other folks. Help them out. I'll look out for you, he says. But you see, that's perfect love. Because perfect love casts out all fear. I, have, I don't have that fear of not making enough money. Of Joe making more money than me. Sam making more money than me. At work. I don't have that fear anymore. Perfect love casts it out. I just go before God. Father God, I thank you. Do you prosper me in my job? That they take delight and pay me what I'm worth to them. And they're happy about it. And I'm happy about it. And I just focus on that part of it. Just stay over there on, on that side. Don't worry about the other part. Here's a good one. Love is not provoked. You ever been provoked? You know, people coming in at you saying the things and they just get under your skin. <laughs> and after, you know, you're gritting, but you haven't said anything about it, and you're, but you're keeping it quiet and you're doing good that way and then all of a sudden it comes out. And we think, oh, if only I hadn't said that. No, you lost the battle way before then. <laughs> you got into that place where you were envious of the other person. You got into a place where you were seeking your own. You were in there wanting to parade yourself. Let everybody see who you were. You lost that battle a long time ago. It finally just came out of your mouth, but you already, already lost it. Love is not provoked. doesn't not become provoked. It's not provoked. It's just not provoked. Now look at Jesus, the day of the, day of the cross. They're firing all kinds of stuff, all kinds of false accusations, beating him, putting the crown of thorns on him, all this stuff. And what's Jesus do? Nothing. Doesn't say anything. Doesn't offer defense. Does nothing. That's not provoked. He's not going to be provoked. You're not moving me to say stuff. I get moved by my Father. I get moved by His Word. I'll say what my Father says to say. But you are not provoking me to say something. See, a lot of times, folks, how many of you have, have known truth that a certain person in your life ought to know? How many of y'all can say, I know this and they need to know it. They are not walking in this. They need to know this. And... And, and you know that they need to know it. How often does that truth come out of your mouth when you're mad at them? When they have said something that sets you off. When they have spoken something to you that you felt was unjustified. And then you say, well, let me tell you what. And then you reveal that truth from the Word of God to them. What have you just been done? You've been provoked. You didn't share it out of the leading of the Spirit of God. You didn't share it because God gave you an opportunity. You didn't share it because while you were praying for them, God, God said, they're ready for this now. Why did you say it? You were provoked. You wanted to get them mad. You wanted to get even with them. That's all. You, want any, you were not looking for their good. You were not looking for their benefit. All you wanted to do was get even with them. Well, you want to say something... Hurtful to me? Take this! And you spoke out what very well may have been a spiritual truth and something that they could not or had not been walking in and should have been walking in. And you let it come out through provoke. Now, what happens to that truth from this point on? That truth is compromised. Anytime that you try and share that with them from that point on, in love... What do they think of the time when you were provoked? Yeah, you said that to me before, I remember. <laughs> or you might have been thinking, oh, this is a, such a perfect time for me to share this with them. But I, I remember I was provoked and I said this. And they're going to remind you of that time and I'm going to be reminded of that time. And it compromises you. Love is not provoked. People may fire all kinds of things about you. Say all sorts of manner of evil about you. It's all right. 
Don't be provoked. Don't be prodded into saying these things. Because as a spiritually mature person, you will know many truths that people that you come in contact with do not know and do not walk in. And you cannot share them with them. Cannot share it with them. Best example I've ever heard with it is you cannot teach sixth grade math to a first grader. They got to learn first grade math first. And then second grade math. And then third grade math. And then right on up. They're not ready for sixth grade math until they've had fifth and fourth and third and all the way on up. You got to get all those, all that, that background in there. And until you do, you could throw it out and they won't understand it. They won't understand it in the right light. So you have to make sure that you hold that back and you listen to the Father. Father, are they ready for this one yet? They're not ready for that yet. Well, then don't share it to them. Didn't Paul say, I would to give you meat? I would to give you sixth grade math, but you're still in the first grade? I can't give it to you yet. He knew better. See, if you give stuff to people before they're ready, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't go well. The Word of God says, don't cast your pearls before swine. Now, you can't just throw that verse out to everybody. Because what they, what does a person, uh, an immature person says, why won't you share that with me? Well, I can't cast my pearls out before swine. <laughs> What's that person going to hear? They're not going to hear anything about the pearls. They're going to hear something about the pig. <laughs> you call me a pig? That's what you're doing. You're calling me a pig? And all that he's trying to get across in that is, not that people are pigs at times, is that a pig cannot appreciate pearls. That's all. It's not that he's trying to compare the people to the pigs. It's just the pigs don't wear pearls. They would probably try and eat them. And they're not really that good for eating. There's, there's other uses for, for pearls. But they don't know the other use. And so all that they would do with the pearls is use what they do with everything else. I mean, a pig, the only functional thing that a pig can find is you either eat it or roll in it. If you don't eat it or roll in it, there's no, there's, there's no other benefit. That's all we can do with the stuff. Eating it, rolling it. That's it. You know, people have grown to the point that they do more than just eating stuff and rolling stuff. But you can't throw these things out to a, to a pig. That you, but don't throw that verse out to tell people why you're not doing it. Because they'll, they'll just hear the pig part. And they'll get mad at you and walk off. But just understand the principle. If you take something precious and put it in front of someone who can't appreciate its preciousness, they will use it for what it's not meant for. And what was precious will no longer be. That's all. That's all you need to learn from that. And so you just learn that, that truth. If they're not ready for it, don't give it to them. You just keep quiet. Yeah, but if they knew this, it put them in their place and they wouldn't be thinking these things about me or saying these things about me. Let them go on and say it. Let them go on and think it. What can you do? Become envious? Become self-seeking? Get puffed up? What good is that going to do you? So you want to walk in love. Walking in love means I don't need all this stuff. I don't need people to recognize what I've done. I don't need people to see that I've done that. Because the Word of God says that what you've done in secret, God will reward. So we take that spiritual truth and we understand that, oh, this person, everybody saw what they did and look at the reward they got. So I want to take what I did in secret and bring it out in the open. Well, that's a real mature thing to do. It says it thinks no evil. It thinks no evil. Well, the word here is logizomai. It means to keep in, keep in accounts or records, etc. That it's, it's writing them down. It's keeping track. Don't think evil. Don't be writing things down and keeping track. Hmm, that's the third time they did that to me. Hmm. 
I've endured it three times, but the fourth time, they better watch it. They do it for all. Oh, they better watch it. Don't get into that. Love thinks no evil. It just doesn't think it. It doesn't sit there and ponder the evil things about this person. What could come upon them? Have you ever been ripped off by somebody? Ever wanted to think evil thoughts about them? Don't keep accounts. Basically, love is concerned with giving itself, not asserting itself. Love is concerned with giving itself, not asserting itself. That's how you can tell. Real easy way you can tell. Is it, does this assert me? Or is it giving of me? There's a whole lot of people out there wanting to receive. Not a whole lot of people want to be givers. Especially people who are givers when no one else sees. Giving themselves when no one else sees. Love rejoices in truth. Love rejoices in truth. It's glad when, it, when, when truth prevails. When truth wins out, it's, it's glad. It doesn't like the dark side of things to, to go on. So love rejoices in truth. Does not rejoice in iniquity. Don't be sitting there, especially someone who's burned you, ripped you off, taken something from you, and then you hear something bad happens. What's, our, what's the thing that natural human love does? Yes! Get them, God! Way to go! <laughs> but love doesn't do that, does it? No, it says that does not rejoice in iniquity. It does not rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in the truth. You let him take care of him. That's it. But it does not rejoice in iniquity. It does not rejoice in it. When I see that going on, that's uh, Father God, I know, even when it's right. Father God, I know that they were walking in sin and that they, and the judgment had to come. But one was just lost into the pit of hell. And God takes anguish in it. God does not like the people that He died for dying in sin. So when we get on up there, we don't want to be saying, you were rejoicing in iniquity. You lost sight of the love of God. You see, the whole reason that we would get into that place of rejoicing is because I have become self-seeking. I am glad for my sake that they got it. I wasn't God-seeking. Love rejoices in the truth. Love believes and hopes. It says in the next verse, that it bears all things, bears all things, bears all things. Yeah, but what about bears all things? There is nothing that people can put on you to bear that love cannot bear. How many have ever said to God in prayer, I can't bear it. What you said to him in your prayer was, your word isn't right. Your word doesn't work. That doesn't usually fly too well in prayer. I wouldn't recommend that, that approach. Love bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. And endures all things. So love believes and hopes. It believes and hopes. You've got to keep believing and hoping that the people that you're around that are all caught up in sin and flesh. Oh, just think, what happens when they get a hold of the Word and they grow in maturity? Glory to God. Oh, the things they're going to do for God. You stay on that side instead of on the side, look at what they're doing. 
oh man, they're pulling this down and they're pulling that down. Love believes and love hopes. Love believes and love hopes. Keep going in that direction. It bears all things. The word stego, to cover with silence, endure patiently, bear or suffer. To cover with silence. Boy, I tell you what, sometimes we aren't doing that. We're maybe bearing it, but we're very vocal about it. <laughs> we're letting everybody know. You see what brother and so-and-so did to me? Yeah, I'm still loving them though. It bears all things. Don't sit there and try and point out everybody, to everybody. It bears all things. People shouldn't even know you're going through it. It bears all things. Continue on believing and hoping. Continue on. Just keep on going. Believing and hoping. Like Samuel did with Saul. Kept on believing and hoping. I know he's going to turn the corner. I know he's going to get back to where he was and then take off and really go. He didn't. <laughs> but you had to know he was, he was hoping for that. Elisha had his servant Gehazi. He was believing and hoping for Gehazi to make a turn. And to get get out of it. He didn't. But he kept him around. Looking to see. I'm sure he was probably sometimes saying, well, Elijah stuck it out with me. There were times I let him down. There were times I wasn't quite doing what I should have been doing. But he kept hoping and believing in me. And it turned out pretty good. So I'm going to keep on believing and hoping in another. Keep going. Just keep going in that direction. Just keep, ah, oh, we gotta, gotta find a way to help this person. But you'll, you'll find your conversation as you go away from, from the people. And you hear the things you say. Well, I don't think sister so and so is ever gonna get around to where they need to be. <laughs> yeah, they're just gonna be carnal all their life. It's just never gonna turn. They're always gonna be this way. Mm-mm. Continue on believing. Continue on hoping. These are based on the love in you. And the goal it has is its direction. That's going to set the direction for you. What's the goal of that love? Where is it that you want that person to go? You should be praying before God, finding out, God, where do you want this person to go? Help get them there. You know, there, have been, there are people that you can help get there. There are also people you can't help. Learn how to wash your hands of people Without taking them out. There are some people you just can't help. I've run into people. And I can't help them. I can't move them on. I can't get them there. And I'm not going to go around talking about them. And saying nasty things about them. Or undercutting them. I can't help them. Somebody else can. Somebody else can get them to that place. But don't go around talking nasty about them. Or putting them down. Let's keep on going. So here's some things. Well we've got to finish some of the. Some of the parts here, we didn't cover all the scriptures. We left off of verse 7. Love never fails, but whether, whether there are... Whoops. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fall. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. And whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Now, people use this as a reason for why there's no more tongues and there's no more prophecies, no more gifts of the Spirit, no more things like that. That is not what this one says. And, of course, they have their way and they interpret things and put it in. You cannot make doctrines out of interpretations of something the Word of God did not come out and directly say. But, nevertheless, people will do it anyway. But it says, Love never fails. Of this list... There is only one thing on this list that is eternal. And that is love. The only thing that goes into the next kingdom out of this list is love. Amen. Prophecies don't go into the next kingdom. We do not need prophecies when Jesus Christ and God are in our presence. We don't need it. We don't need to pray in tongues anymore or give tongues messages in tongues anymore when God is right there. Don't need that anymore. Don't need to speak mysteries anymore. As far as knowledge, it's not that there's going to be no, no, no more knowledge of God in there, but we don't need a word of knowledge going on anymore because we have everything is right there. 
What do we have to give a word of knowledge for? It's going to vanish away. It's going to go away. We don't need that anymore. The gifts of the Spirit are for a time. But that time is still now. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. I don't prophesy as a whole. I prophesy in part. Because I don't know the whole. Neither do you. For when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Now, of course, the, some folks get out there and they want to say that the perfect was the Word of God. That when the Word of God was finished, the perfect has come. Does it, anything in here say that? It's an interpretation. There's no other place in the Word of God that demonstrates it or verifies it any place. The perfect, the only perfect thing I know of is Jesus Christ. When He comes, when God comes in the flesh, we won't need any of these other things. But until then, <laughs> until then we have all this other stuff here. I mean, think of it this way. If the Word of God, and I love the Word of God, and I don't say that there's errors in the Word of God, please don't hear it this way. But if the Word of God was so perfect, why do we have so many interpretations of what it says? The reason we have so many interpretations is because everybody's out there seeking their own self and seeking their own thing. If you just listen to the Spirit of God, you don't come out with one interpretation. The Word of God is perfect in what it is. I love the Word of God for the way He did it. But when you have Jesus Christ here and He says thus, I'm not going to mess that up as easily. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. There's a growth period. We need to get through that growth period. Move on. Well, does the love I walk in measure up? Does the love I walk in the love that you're walking in now, does it measure up? If you want to be developed spiritually, stop looking at your prophecies, stop looking at your words of knowledge, stop looking at your acts of faith and your miracles, your prayer life and the power that you exercise therein. Start looking at the love that you walk in. Because a spiritually mature person is one who grows fruit. A spiritually mature or a physically mature plant is one that bears fruit. An immature plant doesn't bear fruit. But a mature one does. The fruit of the Spirit is miracles, prophecies, tongues and interpretation. That's not it. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Walk in love. All those other things come out of it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Produce fruit. That's where your focus is. As you produce these fruits, the miracles and all the other things will come about as well. But produce the fruit. Walk in love. Walk in love. Now, every one of you is in different situations. You're in different places in life. Candace is in college. In college, I know what you get from some of the professors. And the professors there generally teach from certain point of views. And in college, what they try and do is to get you pitted against the world. They want to get you to conform into their way of thinking. In most colleges, especially secular colleges, understand their goal is not to create independent thinkers. It is to create conformists. And if you do not conform, you tell me if this is true. If you do not conform to their way of thinking, you undergo persecution through grades, through questions and things in class. Now, not all professors that way. Only about 90% of them. <laughs> professors we're talking about in secular colleges. It is a harsh world out there and you better be ready if you're going to get into a secular college for the abuse that they're going to throw at you. They are extraordinarily liberal dominated. And they teach a humanistic viewpoint of life. That man as to himself is good. And he needs no other. 
and they are not very open to hearing other things being brought up in class. And so they will try and, in colleges, try and set you against all these people who act this way and all these people who act this way and all these people who believe this way. That is their goal. Josiah is in high school. How many of you remember your high school years? In high school, what do they try and do? They try and get you to band together against this group of kids that are over here because this group is different. And we're like we are and they're like they are. And we're better. Either you're in with the jocks or you're in with the geeks or you're in with the brainiacs or whatever it is. You know, there's all different groups. And they try and get this group is better and whatever group you're in is better. Because you're in that group. How many of you all know if you go to your high school football game, it don't matter who they're playing, who's the better team? Ours. Because that's, that's what you're brought up to thinking. Anybody outside of our group is bad. It's anti-God. Don't give in to it. Cross groups. Get them out there and work your way around to those. Resist those kinds of thinkings. And it, it's still even with the adults. You still have some of the things, same things. Dwight sells cars. I know from being in there. In the car sales field, there is pressure to think that anyone who does not directly benefit you is evil. Isn't that right? If you don't come in and buy a car off me, you're just an evil person. And they'll come back in in the, in the car and they'll start talking. Oh, they're not going to come back. Oh, they were, they were probably this way anyway. They probably didn't have any... They, you start putting them down. Why? Because you didn't buy a car off me. That's the only reason. There's no other reason for it. And you just listen to them all get around there. But every job that you're in, they try and, and, and do these things. But see, this is anti-God. Don't give into it. Don't give into it. This is the world that we live in. And the world that we live in is trying to get you out of the love of God and into the love of another. And to stay in the love of God is hard. It is difficult. But in the Spirit of God, you are well able to overcome. It will cost you something. There are some people around you. It will cost you something. They'll, they'll push, you, push you out. Well, if you don't want to be in our group and say, say that our group's better, we'll just get rid of you. You have no group. And you can be isolated for a little bit of time. Go over to God. They're all leaving me alone. Oh, man, this is great. They're leaving me alone. I like this. I told you, said you some things I had when I, was a, when I was a kid, but when I was a kid, my mom will tell you, they come on back up here, she'll tell you that you leave me in a room by myself, I'm happy. I could be in a room by myself all day. I'm happy. Most of the jobs I had, I was by myself a lot. I was happy. That's all right. It took me a while to learn how to enjoy people, though. I generally was far happier by myself than with other people. Generally. Now, I learned how to... Now, I, now cases, examples were, you know, football, hockey. You needed other people to make those things work. But outside of that, there really wasn't a whole lot of reason for other people. <laughs> and so I learned how... Yeah, that's it. That's how teams forget the rest of the stuff. So it was real easy to get into that mentality. And I, I was very much into that mentality. You know, just, just me. Push everybody else out. I had to learn how to enjoy other people. I had to learn how to get out of that thinking. Get out of that mentality. But I didn't want to give in to that thing of, of being in with this group or that group. If I saw someone and they were being pushed out, I generally gravitated to them. Went over and helped them out. And sometimes I got persecuted. Because I was helping this one out. And he was an outcast. Don't, don't give in to it. Stay with it. Yeah, you'll get outcast some. It's alright. Does the love I walk in with others measure up? How's it do? Are you measuring up? Of all the things that we just saw there in 
Corinthians, are you measuring up? If not, where do I need to grow? I find out for yourself. What are some of these areas of what 1 Corinthians is saying about love? What are some of these areas that I need to grow in? And how will I do it? How will I do it? Now, Brother Hagen used to challenge us on this. Not only did he challenge us on this in school, but uh, he's also anybody who was on his teams that he would go with. He gave them these things written on a card and made them go over them once a day. Once a day, he wanted to make them go over it. Now, he will challenge, if you listen to some of his tapes, he will challenge you to read this once a day for a month. And I didn't think of it until after they were done. I was already over here. I should have put a calendar in the back and you could check it off for a month <laughs> that you had done it. But what we did was, and, and some of you will like this because you like this version, I put 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 on here in the Amplified. Because he would tell us, he would tell us, read it in the Amplified. And he said, if you read this every day in the Amplified, he'd always tell us that, Martin. <laughs> for 30 days, he says, you just, you just see if you don't grow. So I put this on, it's not just paper, it's on cardstock, so it'll hold up a little bit better for you. You can carry this with you. Let's read it together in the Amplified. Love endures long. And is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. Is not boastful or vainglorious. Does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes and is even ready, ever ready to believe the best of every person. It hopes... Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening. Mm. That is what love is. This is the ultimate test of how mature you are. Not how many miracles. Not how many dead people got raised to life. Not how many prophecies, tongues and interpretations, words of knowledge, or words of wisdom. It is how much does your love measure up to this? That will tell you how much your spirit dominates your life or how much your flesh does. This is the way. And if you can get your love, you can look back there and you can be honest with yourself because folks, this is in the Bible for us to live. If it was not for if it's not possible for us to live this way, we wouldn't be challenged to. God would just say, well, you can't do that. And we would put it away. But you can live this way. So that's the first thing you've got to get in your head. I can live this way. This can describe me. And when it does describe you, you can acknowledge it. It's fine. You know what? I'm doing that. I'm doing that one. That's all right. I'm doing that one now. I wasn't before, but I'm doing all right with that now. It's okay. But then I also, I mean, if I'm going to have the same honesty to admit that I've, I've, I, I'm doing that one, I've also got the same honesty to say I'm, uh, I need to work on that one. Though. <laughs> See, if you only have honesty that can point out your faults, you don't have true honesty. Because you are lying to yourself about the other side. True honesty admits your strengths and your weaknesses. False honesty admits only weaknesses or strengths. But God wants true honesty. See, a false honesty, I can't, I can't admit to my strengths because I'm ashamed of them. Or maybe they see something that I don't see. Or No. Only I know love endures long and is patient and kind. Only I know if I'm doing that. 
Only I know if I am. Chance them out to the, the folks over on, over on this part. You can spread them out to the folks back that way. Put that in your Bible. Put that someplace where you carry it with you. It'll hold up for at least at least it'll be a hold up for a month. <laughs> it should be able to last at least that long. And then if you need to, go print out your own and or you know come get me and I'll I'll help you out with some others. They gotta get, get two guys back over there too. Gotta hey, they've been working for us. They gotta you gotta help them out. All right, everybody get one? Rashawn, you got one too? No? Oh. See, that's right. Now, if people don't come out on Wednesday, don't go over to them and say, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> that's not good. Yeah, we got we got stuff on Wednesday. You guys didn't get it. You weren't out here on Wednesday. It's all right. If they weren't here, they can print their own. They can find their own way to, to do that. But you guys were here. We want to make sure that we had these. He's here for you. So read this. Make this commitment to yourself. For the next 30 days, I will read this every day. Now, it don't have to be in the morning. It can be morning, afternoon, evening. You can even go over and read it twice. But have it with you. Pull it out. Don't be afraid to fold it and put it in your back pocket. And that's going to help you read it more often. But read it once a day for 30 days. And you see what it does to you. You see how it helps you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that the reading of your word is excellent in us. It produces excellence in us. Because we hear it and hear it and hear it with a desire to live it. We want these verses to live in us. And we're going to read it and let it settle in our spirit. This is what our love is going to be. We are going to be spiritually mature. Spirit dominated, not flesh dominated. Walking in the way of the Spirit. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us in this. In Jesus' name, Amen.